Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Late Late Capitalism Show with Jesse, Dean, Chance, and Megan. Uh, before we begin, I do want to offer a content warning. Today's episode, uh, breaking the trend of the last couple, is going to be a little more serious in nature. Uh, we're going to be discussing, among other things, police violence, as well as the inherently exploitative uh, prison labor and prison farm system we have here in Canada. There's also going to be, of course, lots of swear words as uh, I lose emotional control at various points throughout. Uh, uh, so yeah. just be aware of that. I also have a disclaimer. We record at CFRC in Kingston, and it's uh, under the Hall of Carruthers, and they are sawing multiple bodies in half upstairs, it sounds like. So yeah. that's going to be a constant throughout <laughs> the whole background. I'm very sorry in advance. Also, yeah, they, they found the students who protested the Peterson talk, and they're executing them right <laughs> Jesse above us. Jesse got right away. Now. That's crazy. I'm the only person who ever survived that protest. <laughs> it's funny. On my way in, they were like, are you in there with that Jesse fellow? So you might want to watch your back, buddy. Yeah, that's fine. I also got them the megaphone as well. <laughs> in one of the... I love to create havoc and chaos. I, yeah, I just I use uh, my, like, you know, like, this is a leftist show and we're leftist podcasters. It is. But I, I just use politics as a cudgel and as a weapon to inflict damage on people, uh, which is why uh, we're using the show to call out, beep! Was that anything? What? I don't know. Call it who? We're, we can just... <laughs> I know, I like that. We're okay. cutting all of that's that. The that's er- so that's the earliest we've ever done a cut in the show. It wasn't, even, so it wasn't even for a slur. No, I liked it. <laughs> right. I liked it. We got to start censoring no, ourselves. Also, we got uh, new mics again, so a new setup. So if anyone wants to volunteer their time to teach me how to you know, set up a mic system, that'd be great. But anyway... We're working. Hopefully like it sounds the, good. The station itself is is in a, a sort of cocoon process. We're we're in the midst of living inside of our cocoon. Hopefully, we emerge a beautiful butterfly uh, with a uh, yeah. solid recording setup that doesn't change every week. Soon, it's gonna be good. You know, yeah. I wonder if uh, I wonder if caterpillars shit themselves while they're in the cocoon because we're oh. certainly on that level. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have the I same BMI index as a caterpillar, but they well. don't really eat. When they're yeah, in the cocoon, yeah. so I feel like they wouldn't poop either. That's true. Late, late capitalism show. If audio was incontinent, folks, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, moving into the first of our two serious topics today that are at least, unfortunately, quite interrelated. If you're unaware, on Monday, May 25th, 2020, there was yet another instance of... Uh, police violence against an unarmed black man by the name of George Floyd. It occurred in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is also a common location for a lot of this. Uh, Before we get into the story itself, I read a statistic that police violence against minorities is something like 13 times more likely to happen in Minneapolis than anywhere else. And part of it is because almost... Than any other city in the country? Oh my God. Like almost 0% of their police force lives within the city. They all Mm. live outside of the city. And I actually saw quite an interesting thing, which is, well, yeah, it's... you. Of course, these they're not treating, you know, their constituents like human beings. They don't live with these people. Yeah, true. There's there's no, like... uh, Camaraderie. They're an occupying force. Exactly. There's definitely no accountability. And part of the reason... There was legislature that was passed into law in the 1990s in Minnesota, which was unfortunately signed into law by Jesse Ventura, that basically took the restrictions from having to have, like, police, the police force or any uh, of the similar ilk from living in the city. So before, it's like you had to have at least a certain percentage that were from that area so they could actually provide, you know, representational and accountable policing. 
But uh, the Republican at the time, something, I think his last name is Kent, put the law forward. And Jesse Ventura, who was like the independent libertarian candidate at the time, signed it into being mostly because it was cheaper for them to be able to hire people from outside the city limits rather than have to, uh, you know, use this applicant pool. So that's great. That's obviously uh, wonderful. If you recall, a couple of years ago, Philandro Castile was shot and killed during what was supposed to be a routine traffic stop yeah. in uh, Minneapolis, which was also recorded. Yep. And really nothing came of it. And although they fired the four officers responsible for the death of George Floyd, nothing's really going to come of that. These guys are going to be back. Do, do we know what the stats are, like, population-wise for Minneapolis? Not off the Let top of my Google head. Let me Google that real quick. While you look that up, I will essentially provide the context for why this happened. I mean, we know why it happens, but this specific case, uh, the officers were responding to attempted forgery when George attempted Floyd got out. Attempted forgery? Yeah. yeah, yeah, like that's not even an actual... I don't know what that means, quite frankly. I have no idea. I think idea. that just means you signed your name, but it was a, were a little messy at the end. <laughs> Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. You just given, had the shakes. Given the amount of force that was dispatched to deal with this, the police allege that when Mr. Floyd got out of his car, he resisted arrest. So four of them jumped on top of him. Wait, he was forging a document in his car? I think. Well, okay, forgery doesn't necessarily mean a Either document. Either way, no, yeah, he what, was forging was he a document. Like, was he car. like, did he have a hammer and anvil <laughs> and was like forging a sword in his car? Like, no, what the fuck are we talking if, about? If he had that, they would have airstruck him. <laughs> Because any, whether it's a cell phone or a tool, or if you have anything in your hand while you are black and you're in the presence of the police, you have essentially been marked for immediate death. Yeah. So as he got out of his car, the police claim he resisted, re- resisted arrest, which even if he did, the amount of force that was applied was not just beyond proportional, but like quite frankly, illegal and homicidal. So the video that has been circulating shows one officer with his knee on the man's neck, and Mr. Floyd says, I can't breathe, please, I can't, you know, my head hurts, my stomach hurts, you're going to kill me. The picture shows three other officers behind him holding his arms and legs down as well. So he had the weight of four cops, which as we know is about 33,000 fucking pounds, (laughs) on his body, specifically saying, I'm dying, you're killing me, I can't breathe. And then sure enough, what happens? About two minutes later, he goes completely limp. They call an ambulance for him, and guess what? It's too late. Now, the response of the people living in Minneapolis last night was there was quite a bit of rioting and protesting. I shared some videos this morning in our other group chat that I know you guys saw of uh, protesters and rioters. It's wild. It's like anything, unlike anything I've seen before. Like, even the footage I saw of Ferguson, obviously, is like, it's it's comparable. Yeah. Comparable. But, like, this, I I was, like, shocked. It's crazy. They were, uh, they, like, ripped the gate off of, like, the police car, like, parking lot and yeah, just started dope. smashing them which yeah. I, I yeah. like so cool i was like there's like a skateboard guy who just takes his skateboard like walks up to the back of it and just smack slams it through a black like the, i was uh, black glass window stressed watching it just because of like fear of what the retaliation was going to be but also it's like so cool to see just so many people go and like if you're that many people the police can't stop you like that's cool and, yeah did you know. did anybody fall like watch the ferguson live feeds when that was happening yeah, yeah i like i was i was watching it all i was in first year so this yeah 
six six years ago yeah. or something. Yeah. I believe 2014. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember I was watching it on like Live Leak because nobody else would host it. But this guy was like doing. Um, there was multiple people who were doing just straight like video feeds of the of the riots, and I, I felt the same way where you're sitting there and you're just so nervous mm. about what's happening. Like like I was sitting in my room just like shaking, being like. What is gonna happen? Are are they just gonna gun all of these people down? Like, what what will happen from this? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's crazy to watch. Uh, on one hand, you're like, this is incredible that the community is kind of like sticking up for what they feel is an uh, well, what is an incredible injustice. But at the same time, you're like, these police don't care about you. No. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 terrifying to watch yeah. at the same time, right? Because yeah. you're like, when are they gonna clap back? Because they obviously don't care about your life i think a saving grace is that most cops are cowards because i can tell you when they started to clap back against these protesters and rioters which is after all that occurred once things had calmed down it became more of a traditional protest then the cops started coming out and just spraying pepper spray indiscriminately oh, yeah, into yeah. Classic, classic which is such a typical cop playbook yeah. move i yeah. read reports that they were using what like basically the equivalent of like dud grenades oh yeah they were firing oh uh, rubber bullets as well there yeah. was a reporter on the scene that got hit in the leg with like a massive fucking rubber bullet like mm-hmm. i swear it was i'm holding my fingers apart probably like three or four inches in length so oh. that's that's like a rubber shotgun bullet essentially. yeah yeah like you're you're down and out from that one yeah and it seems some people say oh it's cliche but if you compare this incident to the armed protesters for the Liberate America movement. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, yeah, like, two yeah. Weeks prior. Armed protesters yeah. who can storm the state building in Chicago. Absolutely. Or no, no, sorry, it was Ohio. Uh, Ohio. It's yeah. also, it's quite literally the argument that people put forward, right? They were like, if these people were doing it for any other reason, there it would have been, the, the amount of police presence and kind of, like, coercive tactics would have been insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, it's like, you know, you got a hundred white people with guns storming a government building. Yeah, like, and then they're like, oh no, uh, we better listen to you. And making open threats of like, we're willing to die like, for Arby's. This is insane. Like I obviously, like obviously it's a race thing, but like literally the fact that the white protesters are like armed with guns and yep. the black protesters have nothing. And the amount of force is like insanely different. Like, oh yeah, it's oh, uh, my God. it's, I think it's interesting because since they happen so close together, it's going to be fascinating to see people talk themselves out of this one. Mm, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And because before people were like, it's not about race, it's about what they're doing. And like, if, if black people did, uh, you know, that occupy the government building, they'd be like, oh, they would have been treated the same way. And now we're seeing the argument pan That's out. That's hilarious they, if someone says that. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. My God. Because you see the argument pan out and you, you look at it and you're like, there's no way in hell. No. There's mm. n- absolutely no way. And this is what people have been saying. You you can look at the juxtaposition of the treatment of the two uh like movements. It's it's night and day. Mm-hmm. And it gets it's always shocking to me that people still don't get why this happens and why this happens entirely to people of color. And I think part of it is either intentional ignorance, but more likely I I don't feel that most people, the average person, is intentionally ignorant to these issues. I feel like they don't understand the greater thing at play. Right. And they hear people talk them out of it. 
I think as long as we live in a capitalist society, there's not going to be an end to this because when you put it into a broader historical context, what what are cops for but protecting the interest of capital? Yeah. Mm. And what is capital but – and you could say this is controversial. Capital is inherently white supremacist. The Western capitalist system on which we live was created off the backs of slavery. The oh, yeah. institutions, the infrastructure is all born out of the fact that thousands hundreds of thousands of african slaves were or africans were brought to this to this continent as slaves and at the end of the day as long as we have a system that is still based upon that we're never going to see the end of this even slavery they abolished it no they didn't they moved it behind the walls of the prisons they moved it out of the public eye it still exists we're oh, going to yeah. talk about that today but there is no no reform no sensitivity training you can give that is going to stop this because at the end of the day, the cops, yeah, they are doing their job. Their job is to protect the interests of capital and capital's interests are always based upon exploitation and slavery. And any yeah. challenge to that is going to be rebuffed with violent force. A lot of the people that were protesting, guess what? They've got capital interests as well. And I'm talking about the Liberate America protesters. These yeah, are rich yeah. white people cosplaying as revolutionaries. It's not a surprise they didn't get shot because they have a skin in the game. It's obviously also a racial thing. This is not to disqualify you know, uh, racial motivations for... These things, but I'm saying that these racial motivations are also inherently tied to capitalism. Yeah. And to 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 yeah. argue that it isn't a, a class divide thing would be uh, it'd be really difficult. You would have to really pull some mental gymnastics out of that one because if you look at the history of like protests, even if you look at um, someone talking about like white collar crime, right? Mm -hmm. Like we we all know the term white collar crime when someone does something that usually has to do with like economics uh insider training that kind of stuff and if you look at their treatment through the judicial system you you know it, it's plain to see that someone who causes intentional harm if they have enough money you get a cool uh leonardo dicaprio movie yeah you know, yeah exactly it's awesome dude. yeah yeah it, it's it's um like I said, it'll be interesting to see what kind of rhetoric comes out of this one because it's so plain to I, see. I think obviously, like, obviously there's a difference between how people of different classes are treated by police. But I I feel like the race component, it's just as large as the class component. Yeah, to, like to, to maybe to disagree with you guys, but like even that example of the video that was going around um, of the Central Park woman mm -hmm. this week, like oh, saying yeah. like, oh, like. Because basically, Cooper. yeah, a guy was birding and asked this woman to put her dog on a leash. And she like looked at him and was like, you're threatening me. Like, I'm going to call the police and tell them like an African-American man was threatening me, which like obviously she knows by doing that. She's trying to get him killed. Like, she, yeah, she, but, she weaponized but, it. But both 100%. of them are like very wealthy people. So it's like there's obviously a, cla a, a race thing there regardless of the class thing. You right, know, sure. I don't know. I would also argue, though, that she almost certainly assumed that he was not on the same socioeconomic level as I don't her. know, to be... Because women, like, white people like that who are scourge, scum of the earth, I Worse am than dog calming shit, myself sure. down before I say something truly egregious. But, like, you know for a fact, given that woman's job career, she also assumes, oh, this is just a poor black I, man. I honestly... I disagree just because I know this is like very stereotypical and dumb, but there's like videos of him going around um, and like images of like what he looked like in the park that day. And it like, he looks 
very wealthy. Mm. Like, uh, uh, and I don't know, the like the way he was dressed and like the fact that he was birding and stuff. Right. Like, so I, I feel like there is just the plain like racism thing is, yeah. is just as big as a factor as class. Well, honestly. it's, uh, it's, I don't also, know. it's also interesting because that case is quite literally someone weaponizing someone's race. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you're black. If I call the police and say this black man is here. The police are going to show up, and it's going to be a terrible time for you, regardless. Right? Yeah, like yeah. that—that's weaponizing someone's race. That's that's spinning that against them and using the system to your advantage. It was actually really interesting when that stuff was happening because a lot of scholars were saying this is what we've been saying has happened in a lot of communities mm-hmm. where, like, uh, for decades, like white women specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. Targeting <laughs> black men. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Right. Falsely accusing them of X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the like classic the things plot that of have yeah. happened yeah. in yeah. North America can, for like since yeah, trace colonialism. Exactly. Trace that back to beyond Emmett Till, but Emmett Till's obviously yep. the biggest example that's been given. And I would just like to clarify, I'm not. I was not trying to like downplay race. I'm just no, saying, no, I, I know you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. more interconnected. Yeah, I like I yeah. It's, it's it's a nuanced issue, and I think what's happening in Minnesota and what happened in uh, Central Park are very different. Mm. They're of the same cloth, but very different things. Yeah, and Minnesota is definitely much more tied to class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I think I don't know, man. Like saying that they're complete or not completely, but very different things is. Uh, I don't know. I think I think it's coming from the same place. I well, really do. Police brutality in both cases, because it's like one, the police brutality actually happened, and the other one, the white woman knew it would happen if she got them involved. Exactly. And it just like happened to not happen that time. Which but is like, which is interesting yeah. because uh, you know you would think, oh, since more people know about police brutality against uh, African American people, uh, Indigenous people in the states and in Canada, you would think that more people would be sympathetic. And more so, like, okay, maybe if we're having a dispute, I shouldn't call the police because you 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 could get shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that was a lot of the arguments. People being like, look at, see, these are examples of what happens when you call the police. So maybe we should deal this on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you see it used against these people, right? Which is it's so interesting. Yeah, I because you're like, you know, more widespread awareness that police brutality against minorities happens is also causing this adverse effect where people feel like they can use that to their advantage. Right. Mm. Which is exactly what we witnessed in that video. She can also, like, we can all agree that she's just a fucking loon. Yeah. Like, she's yeah. she's she's fucking nuts. She's I, I disagree. Uh, some of my closest friends are loons. Uh, <laughs> I would not use that word to describe her. Uh, I said worse than dog shit. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to stick by that descriptor. That's true. Now, that's true. For you Big Bang Theory heads out there, <laughs> the woman's name is Amy Cooper. And now, We're if putting you're on like me, foil hats now. and you've seen every single episode of the Big Bang Theory twice, twice. Uh, you'll know that Amy. Wait, uh, is Amy Sheldon's girlfriend? Yes, I thought that's Amy right. Was Sheldon Cooper, the bowl cut guy's girlfriend. Making North like no, pick it the fuck no. up. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's her name? The blonde one's name. That's Bernadette. Uh, Idiot. Okay, moron. <laughs> Megan, smoking. You are not. You are not making my finger move from the white woman extinction. <laughs> if anything, it's, it's hovering closer. Don't you disrespect that goddamn show again. Yeah, yeah. So Sheldon, uh, we all know the the beloved uh, autistic man. He has. <laughs> 
no, 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 no. Yeah, our beloved Ots boy. That's that's like what they put in the. I just got my new Twitter handle. That's what they put in like the international descriptions of the show, where it's like poorly translated. Where it's like that'd be like on the Japanese DVD sleeve. Like the the show would be the show would be called like Nerd Explosion, beloved autistic man. So as we know, Sheldon, the charming autist. Exactly. Oh, that's that's what Monk was about for the record. So as we know, Sheldon has a longtime girlfriend named. Amy Farrah Fowler and he marries her and she becomes Amy Cooper. Amy Cooper. And then after the show ended, this is like the most grim Big Bang Theory prologue yeah, of like, all time. Yeah, this is the darkest timeline. <laughs> this is like... <laughs> This is actually how that show was always going to end, which yeah. is with rich white liberal Amy Farrah Fowler, now Cooper, having a negative interaction with someone in the park. <laughs> uh, it is crazy. Just wait until the next episode black. where Leonard ODs. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it, honestly, Big Bang Theory was a Requiem for a Dream prequel. Oh, fuck. Uh, anyways, also very funny that Amy Cooper is a Mayor Pete supporter. Yeah. And the fact that in this video, she, she just beats the shit out of the dog. She chokes this dog, which <laughs> oh. there's like... But then de- all the comments by white people are like, guys, can we forget the racism <laughs> yeah. and focus on yeah, the fact really, that she's that hurting that dog? That dog looks like dog. it's hurt. And yeah. it's like, okay. I know she's trying to execute a man <laughs> for asking her to put a dog on a leash, but... Look, Mac. She's trying to execute a man. The only white people that should be killing dogs are the ones wearing the blue, baby. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Yeah, that's true. But anyways. Her dog is taken away from her now, though. Absolutely. And there's, like, a documented history of her dog being, like, very ill and, like, fucked up. she doesn't put it on a leash and then it runs into cars and into pools and gets attacked by other dogs. She sees the first black man on the street and she decides to choke her fucking dog out. Of course it's going to get sick. It's so incredible that during this video where she is weaponizing even the mere presence of the police she's doing it using liberal liberal terms oh, such yeah. as that was the first thing that caught my african american african american she doesn't use any like there's a blur <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's like oh my please police my body in spaces is being violated please i need you to come down here immediately and pump seven hundred thousand rounds into this african-american man it's true though it's like, that, it's that's true. what she made also it... donated to obama every time he ran yeah <laughs> yeah I, a lot of Her info has been African. found out i feel bad that i'm like looking up all this doxing info but it just appears and i'm like wow that's no i don't feel bad this woman is like maybe this part of me wants to hope this is just an elaborate like trailer for get out too that would be, I think, the <laughs> ideal oh, situation. That would, yeah, that would be very cool. It's obviously not, but in a more ideal world, this is just some kind of tacky viral marketing stunt as opposed <laughs> to reality for millions upon millions of African Americans and African Canadians, if we're quite yeah. honest. That was like the most, it's not a surprise that it was revealed she's Canadian because that's the most Canadian thing I've ever mm. seen is like someone who has like this appearance of being like, oh, a good white liberal who is just like, using the disgusting inadequacies and well intentionally designed inadequacies in our system to like menace a person of color yeah. mm-hmm. no oh, it's like yeah. the jordan peele uh, comparison is apt because it's, it's very get out it's very like how a liberal uses race against black people absolutely uh and uh i read a a paper about this uh just like i found it on twitter uh where it, where a sociologist talks about white spaces Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. uh, the majority of spaces, basically any space where white people tend to operate is mm-hmm. considered a white space. Right. And non-white people, like specifically black people in this context, are tolerated in those spaces for the most part. And they're allowed to exist. 
as uh, assuming they don't assert themselves. Right. Anyway. I was gonna say uh, if if they like like this guy asking her to put uh, her dog on the leash, which she's legally required mm-hmm. to do, just by like making his presence known and saying like, "Hey, I have needs. I need you to fill those needs." That's him infringing on the white space and overstepping. And as soon as that happens, 911 is like a magical talisman. Right. It's this like little genie lap lamp that you can run, rub, and make any black person just disappear from the white space. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That white space theory, like I, I was thinking about that too. As soon as I saw the video, I was like, these are, you know, this is the same rhetoric that people use about safe spaces, hmm. right? And it's interesting because safe spaces are supposed to be for people of color trans people people who are persecuted Mm -hmm. in general right but this person is like i feel attacked so therefore i am unsafe and therefore this person deserves to die and it's uh it's just fascinating because the way she speaks definitely sounds it, it it's reminiscent of those same uh safe spaces except it's used against those exact people that are supposed to be kept safe right yeah um it's just like what a fascinating case. Like, I remember seeing it just fucking boiling up inside. It, I, it, it hurt me to witness. Yeah. Like, I saw uh, someone uh, on Twitter was talking about how uh, coronavirus might not be the main story of 2020 anymore with just, like, the last two days yeah. and, like, the racial violence we've seen. Mm. Uh, and I hope he's wrong, but I don't think he is. Here's the thing, though. Like, he's got a point, but at the same time... <laughs> Racial violence is a story every single year. Yeah, that's definitely. Not yeah, coronavirus. To yeah. I think he was talking specifically about like the level of violence happening in Minnesota right See, now. I didn't think it was in reference to that. I thought he was just saying like this is nothing compared to what we're going to see moving forward, especially in the fact that they're in an American election year where no matter who wins, the other side is going to dispute it. And yeah. the democracy, like American democracy, is done this oh, year this certainly. is the yeah. end of it because no matter who wins the other side is not going to accept it and we're going to see a massive i mean if trump wins which he very well could uh like the liberals are just going to do what they did before and it'll be kind it's of like Russia. useless resistance yeah. but like if joe biden wins we could actually be into some like uncharted territory oh yeah no here. people are gonna die if joe like, biden wins. the reaction might actually well people are gonna die well yeah regardless. no but Hopefully people are joe going biden. to be shot and killed in the streets if joe biden wins true but <laughs> is what i mean trump, yeah trump um, condones don't mean to laugh at too. that but that's funny no yeah. mo- mostly by his crack addict son though i was gonna say <laughs> no. he's, he's gonna have a flashback that he's back in uh, the naval reserves <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's then, back in the project and then he's gonna white he's gonna pipe down his his uh, dead brother's widow again <laughs> which he did he married her. There's going to be some, like, martial law. In you leave force. him out of this. No, Hunter sucks. And, and, and Biden's not going to remember what he was supposed to do. So they're going to be like, Joe, you have to, like, repeal martial law that you instated. <laughs> and the, he'd be like, what? Like, what Now listen here, Mac. Marshall's my best friend. Yeah. I would never repeal him. <laughs> his law is a good law. <laughs> I also like that they said um, whoever is his VP basically just has to get ready to be president. <laughs> and then they picked Amy Klobuchar. So this is very <laughs> exciting. Who referred to the uh, George Floyd in- incident as officer involved violence yep which is officer involved yeah. involved violence that's officer like, fucking also klobuchar like they're, oh they're killed murder. by a bullet like i yeah. hate yeah. i hate yeah. that saying the suspect was fatally wounded by a bullet yeah, yeah. it's like yeah police charged by a weapon police officers don't kill people like guns kill bullets people. kill people bullets kill Honestly, people we should treat cops like pit bulls yeah. <laughs> where yeah. they I should like be that. in cages and then we keep them as a rescue and then be like this is my little popo 
He likes going for walks, and I give him. But don't leave him in a room with a toddler. I would love to see a. Have you seen what uh, pitbulls do to forty percent of their mates? (laughs) Fucked up. Cops stuck in a hot car. (laughs) This person's fat face against the window, but his cheeks like cover the entire width of the window. The windshield. His little teeth like gnashing against it. I was gonna say instead of like a squeaky toy, it's a punching bag with their wife's face on it. Oh my goodness! (laughs) Just shadow boxing the parking lot. Before we get into the actual topic today, because I want to make sure it has plenty of time, because Chance has done a ton of hard work and it's a valuable topic. I was going to panic attack over it. The cop shadow boxing. Yeah. Video. Okay. Oh, so wait, before four, we do this, you I have two minutes. I okay. just have to say the club thing. Uh, Amy Klobuchar in her time, I think she was DA uh, yeah, uh, in yes uh, Minnesota. Yes, she was. Uh, never once persecuted a cop for violence. No, not once in her career. Even though, as we've mentioned, Minneapolis, yeah, is, is the <laughs> worst city in the country for it. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Cop shadow boxing. So there was a video that circulated two days ago of a cop in a parking lot just doing like really shitty shadow boxing that like one of those hype beast accounts shared saying yeah. like smooth AF. Like if I saw like a four-year-old do that in a parking lot, I'd be like, wow, that's pretty good for a four, like a child. He's moving very quickly. Yeah. This cop has dog shit technique. His footwork, it looks it looks like early Forrest Gump when he's got rickets. <laughs> I, I didn't think you were going this way. I didn't think we were going to shit on his shadow oh, boxing no, technique. No, 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 no this is the rest of the episode. But like, what's good is every single response to it is just people bagging on cops as a concept. And I was like, this is perfect. This is how you radicalize everyone yeah. to hate cops. Where like the best, the best tweets were like, oh, this cop. Uh, shadow boxing like he sees his wife or <laughs> yeah yeah i love that yeah. shit like man all this training and you're just gonna do this to someone who's handcuffed <laughs> yeah, exactly uh anyway smooth af <laughs> yeah. i love it i love it and yeah. of course yours truly with uh which is true i could easily demolish this fucking pussy in one-on-one <laughs> contest because a i'm not a handcuffed 12 year old girl and B, like, he looks like a little manlet. Like, he's got, like, he clearly passed the police physical 20 years ago and yeah. hasn't, like, run a lap since. Yeah, he's a bit of a soy. Oh, my God. He's, yeah. got, he's got titties on him. I'd Look, here's the thing. I would knock that cop out in, like, two hits max, and then I'd, like, I'd suck on those titties until back. <laughs> Alrighty. Alrighty. Just make them black and well, blue, here's baby. Here's the thing. I need, to re- I need to restore the protein that I lost punching. It's, been, it's been two minutes. That, Alrighty. That's the thin blue line. <laughs> it's the vein popping out of his titty. It, it's the lipstick I wear <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> when nasty. I suck on that cop's fat old tits. I, well, let's I don't go. like it. Okay, welcome back. We are in part two of the episode here. I'm going to be turning the mic over to Chance, who has got uh, some prepared thoughts about the prison labor, specifically prison farm system. So I love Chance, the jumping jacks they're doing upstairs right now. This <laughs> oh, is great. Oh yeah, I really hope the people. <laughs> yeah, we love drawing attention to our shitty right, audio Chance. quality. Also, <laughs> T- take it away. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think that was a wonderful segue because we were talking about police brutality and exploitation, and this is like. This ends up being the other end of it. It was mm-hmm. actually um, very surprising for me to do to to prepare what I had to say for today, 
because I'm going to be talking about prison farms. And I feel like at first glance, it's really easy to look at that and be like, yeah, rehabilitation. That's great. Skill sets. That's handy. But as soon as you look into it, you actually realize that there's very little backing up that that's even the case. And there's also very little evidence that the people who are involved in prison farms actually enjoy it. Like they don't see it. There's studies that show that they don't see what they're doing as helpful in like harnessing their skills or opening them up to the job market in the future. So walk us through like prison farms. Is that like when Foucault goes to visit his cousin in the country? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. what is a prison farm? Yeah, yeah. It's when it's when <laughs> Foucault goes to a uh, elementary school for the first time and he's like, "This is a prison farm." Uh, no. So okay, the reason why this is so interesting to me is that Kingston, the area that we're on right now, had quite the prison farm movement for yeah. a while. I, I looked into it, and there's six prison farms in Canada, and two of them are in Kingston, which is like, that's wow. a, quite a high mm-hmm. number of, of <laughs> uh, to take up of that like space, right? But yeah, prison farms are essentially, what they do is they, they take prisoners, they, it, it's, it's not a volunteer basis. You think it would be a volunteer basis. It's not. They, they take prisoners, and they ask them, but rather coerce them into working on these farms. They say it's because it'll give them time off of their sentence. They say it's, it'll help raise the likelihood that they'll get out on good terms. Good, good behavior. Good behavior. Yeah. yeah, that's what it's called. They, they leverage the system against them, essentially. Yeah, and then they pay them in... If anyone could pull it up, actually, I, I, I forgot to look into this. The wages? I can tell you the wages. Okay. Specifically. Jesse, hook us up with those wages because it's actually nuts. So... I will say that prison wages. Let me just start by saying they haven't changed in thirty years. Yeah, yeah, but it's, so, it's been at a it's been at a standstill. Bottom tier pay, uh, so this is level D pay, is around two dollars a day, not an hour. Oh my god! A day. If yeah. you do not work during one of the five uh, work. Uh, weekdays in prison, you get paid $1 a day and you are locked in your cell during the work hours. So yep. your incarceration time could go from, you know, 16 hours all the way up to 23 hours, essentially. Yep. Wait, hang on. How so you're saying that the government forces people into working through f- force. Yep. Uh, and force then and coercion. Force and coercion and then pays them a pittance. Not only, huh? not only that. What? You know what? You know what? <laughs> speak up. You know what? It's top crazy. level pay is, and top level pay. It's not a universal scale either. You only get top level pay if you work certain jobs within prisons. Mm-hmm. Top level pay is six dollars and ninety cents a day. Oh meaning, God. how much ten, does this stuff cost in the stores? I will get like, to that. So yeah, in yeah, ten we, days we of labor, so you get they get paid on the same two week pay scale that most of us would get paid on. In that two weeks, the most they could clear just from work is $69. However, there are a number of deductions taken off that paycheck as Mm. well, including up to $20 a month for cable. Yeah, yeah. Which is something you can't opt out of. Every single inmate pays for cable, whether or not you want to. There's also uh, another interesting fact that a lot of people don't realize is that prison wages are taxed differently. 
Um, they have standard like wage tax, but they also have a prison wage tax on top of that. So not only are they making a fraction of what other people make, they're actually paying more in taxes percentage-wise than the standard what citizen. The fuck. Like that money, like the cable money specifically, where does that go? Twenty dollars from every prisoner? Pretty or sorry, it's it's I believe it is Maybe it's it's it might be two dollars, but then they have about twenty dollars worth of fees altogether. Okay. Because they also have to pay for their utilities. Like people think, oh, you go to jail, you get three hots and a cot, you know, free. Yeah. It is not because every day you're in there, it's like the company store. Everything you are used, you are expected to pay back. Yeah, yeah, yeah you have to work on it. And when you leave jail in the 1980s, sure, maybe getting paid seven dollars a day isn't. It's not good, but it's not terrible. But Getting paid seven dollars a day in nineteen eighty one. Getting paid as opposed to getting paid seven dollars a day. Half minimum wage, but like oh wait, that's no, for an hour. hour. By an hour, and yeah. they're getting Jesus it a day. When I, it's so like it's so small you can't wrap your head when around. I explain <laughs> the prison pay scale to people, and I make sure I make sure to specify that this is per day, not per hour, and that yeah. is a mind blowing thing to them. Yeah. yeah, and these guys are also working, especially these are some pretty dangerous jobs. Like they are working with uh, at least in. We're going to talk about prison crime specifically, but in like upholstery shops and like metal shops, like you are working in a high risk job. There's a reason why tradespeople get paid so much more. It's not just because of the skills they have. It's also because it's hazard pay. Mm -hmm. And corrections doesn't factor hazards pay into this at all if you're an inmate. Obviously, if you're a guard, you can get plenty of hazard pay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, it's also interesting because they push the idea, and they as in like Corrections Canada, push the idea that your money shouldn't be used to save up for when you get out. You should spend it while you're there because yep. it's safer. Mm. They say you should spend it while you have it. Um, and they actually encourage people to spend it on commissary. So that's the shop at the prison. Mm. The so they, you're working to make $6 a day in order to spend that money on overpriced chips yeah. that you've also helped make. Yeah. <laughs> or at least you did at one point. That's the interesting thing, too, is that Prison Farms, which is just another workshop that we're talking about, exactly. but the, the fascinating part about it is that it was taken away and then it came back. Yes. So mm. it was taken away under the Harper government and then the Save Our Prison Farm movements in Kingston here tried to bring it back. And they did, um, and I was reading up on it, and it was fascinating what people had to say and what their ideas were for why we needed it. Can I share, like, what the only really thing I know about prison farms? It was like, Yeah, of course. So there's um, a documentary made by a Kingston filmmaker um, called Till the Cows Come Home or something like that. It's like oh, yeah, something yeah, to do yeah. with that saying. Um, and it's, like, made by this guy and then an, uh, one of the head film profs at Queens. And... Like, this is why before talking about doing this episode today, I only had a positive view of them because I've only seen that documentary and it was showed to me by like a professor in third year and it seemed really cool. So basically when the Harper government took it away, like Mark Garrison, our current MP, campaigned like a huge part of his campaign was just campaigning on getting um, Trudeau to bring the prison farms back, which he yes. was successful on. So that's like why we have them again, which is, I, like, again, we can like talk about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's like really all I know about it. But the protests were huge. It was like, was like so deal, many people massive. in Kingston sitting on the highway, like blocking these like cars of cows or trucks of cows for like three days straight. Like Margaret Atwood came and did speeches in Kingston 
about like what a great job everyone was doing. They like led um, demonstrations in the park for like how to create like a like human link chain so that police can't like break it and stuff. So it was like it was a huge thing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. People were really, really fighting for it, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because first let's let's talk about why people wanted it back. I'm, I'll talk about the logistics of what these prison farms made, but let's talk about what the appealing side of a prison farm is for civilians, specifically for civilians. When I say civilian, I mean people who aren't currently or have not been convicted. And not our beautiful soldiers. And not not our beautiful soldiers out there, the boys in blue. Uh, but nope. but no. rather... <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> but rather, uh, I'm talking about like your average citizen. The, the compelling argument has always been, and you guys have probably heard it before, that prison farms rehabilitate, yeah. mm. which is what I was going on about earlier. Prison yep. farms rehabilitate. Well, you learn to value the sweat on your own brow, and yep. you come to terms with Mother Nature. You gain and you uh, the soil. You, you gain sympathy for yeah. uh, the animals, living creatures. Yep. Yes, it, it's uh, it's it's actually quite beautiful. The interesting it's part is just about like it, Stardew Valley, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like it's like Stardew Valley. I coming in there hot, and I'm getting my my fruit and veg, and then I go home, and that's and everything's good, and I'm happy, and then I get a wife. Everyone, yeah, on the and then you farm, get a cute goth. Gene. Yeah, has bl- has blue hair and <laughs> yeah. loves when you give them gifts you find in the trash. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, you know it sounds really idyllic, and it almost sounds uh, too good to be true, and that's because it, it is. Yeah. If you if you look at Kingston specifically, right? We had two farms, 100 cows, 10,000 chickens. What That's do you th- a lot of chickens. What do you think they wow. did on these farms? What do you think they produced? Uh, I heard there's a lot of milk, like a, a huge part of it is like a Some of farm. it was milk, yep. Uh, eggs, I'm assuming. Eggs was another part of it. <laughs> Manure. A lot of it was meat. Really? Oh. They slaughtered them? <laughs> it was a slaughterhouse. Oh, what? <laughs> so uh, a good oh, percentage of what they produced was meat. So the idea that gaining sympathy from the animals, you know, or with the animals, you know, learning to respect them, raising them, husbandry, all that great stuff, just to murder them, literally. That's like Spetsnaz training. Yeah, Jesus. I'm just imagining PETA. It was a slaughterhouse. I'm imagining PETA protesting the prison, but not because of the people in the prison, but because of the animals. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) People actually... It's cruel to lock a living being up in a cage. We won't stand (laughs) What the fuck? It's It's actually quite interesting because you think about that and you're like... Really? Like, it sounds too good to be true. Like, mm. in the sense where it's like the irony in this. Yeah. You're, like, you're, you're, you're talking about gaining sympathy while you're literally telling them, raise this thing so you can kill it. No. Raise this thing, take as much as you can from it, and then murder it. Now, okay, it could be now. the guards killing it because the, the cow looked at them the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's actually talk about prisoner interactions with animals for a second Please, here. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite interesting. Just one second. I got to I got to look at it. It's weird cuz when I when I was watching the documentary, I feel like they didn't mention the slaughterhouse thing or if they did, I wiped it from my memory they completely. Didn't mention but it. But it it was like they interviewed a lot of um former prisoners who had said that they like really did value the like time they spent with the cows and like how it was like a positive experience and stuff. So like I'm sure there All those guys got out the day before they slaughtered <laughs> them. <laughs> oh yeah. They I, but I'm just like it's it's probably true that there's like some that were like, yeah, I loved the cows, like this was great, but that's probably not the majority yeah. of them. No, those were the ones that actually, it's interesting that you bring that up because there was a town hall meeting and I read through the numbers, or the minutes rather is what it's called, and 
the number of former inmates was pretty high. But the interesting thing about inmates that feel as if they get rehabilitation from these practices tend to be inmates who have already had prior experiences with farms mm. Mm. and not inmates who are first time exposed to farms. Okay. Also, the way for them to actually talk about this out loud is that they didn't have to go back to jail, of course. Because if they went back to jail, they would be able to talk about this stuff. Mm. The amount of recidivism from these projects is incredibly high. Really? It's just as high as regular prison. Hmm. There is no lessening of the rate of recidivism. Wow. Huh. So there's no proof that it actually helps people from yeah. uh, not committing money. crimes in the future. It's just another aspect. And very quickly, I would like to talk about the specifics of the Canadian corrections business aspect. So corrections actually does have a business manufacturing wing, which seems like such a monstrous thing to have. They have a corporation based on prison labor called Corcan. Yeah, Corcan. That has government contracts for the inmates. So like specifically in the upholstery shop at Kingston Penitentiary where they would get all the product coming in from Joyceville, they would finish that and that would be sent to like universities or government buildings. And it's like that, like they literally set up correction, like Corcan, which is like a multi, like hundred million dollar corporation essentially based mm -hmm. off prison labor. And like, you know, the higher ups in Corcan are making insane amounts of money but the inmates, once again, are getting paid $6 a day uh... for all of their work. Like, if you want to talk about, like, disproportion in terms of wage and payment, yes, you can obviously see it in our, quote-unquote, civilized society. But, like, there is no clearer vision of fucking wage disparity than when you look at Corcan, who's taking home millions of dollars, where their workforce is getting paid, like, sweatshop wages. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. I actually have the numbers here on that oh, with perfect. Corcan. How much do does Corcan produce in a year, do you think, like, money-wise? Okay, money-wise? Money-wise, how much money do you think they, uh, they so produce sorry, in a year? So, sorry, they make the money from the excess of the prison labor they're, they're not so paying they're in charge of all the contracts okay. i'm thinking of dollars worth of product yeah not even from like the labor selling but rather just from the product itself that 30 million produce. well corcan is also federal so that's 30 million every federal institution okay uh i have genuinely no idea Six, about uh, money or numbers so i don't know God, i don't know thought, man, 50 million 60 mil. Oh, damn it. Lord. They make 60, god damn it they make 60 million worth of product each year yep. how much uh how many prisoners do you think work under Corcan? Okay, I, I won't answer this. Yeah, How yeah. many prisoners are there? Totally? How many prisoners are there? There's 40,147 as of 2015, which was the last time that there was a big yeah. uh, report and done by the governor general. About, at least in federal institutions, about 90% of the inmates are eligible for the workforce. Does Canada have prisons or jails that are not federal? Yes, there are provincials. Uh, the designation is if you are serving a crime of two years plus one day, that's federal time. If you serve so more misdemeanors, that's provincial time. That's oh. up to like 18 months to two I did not know that. And there's Already. also different security levels as well. I'm just going to go ahead and say almost all of the people that are in federal prison <laughs> work for this company. No, it's actually fascinating because you would think that would make sense with the idea of rehabilitation. It's actually somewhere between 2,000 and 4,000 prisoners. Out of 40,000? Out of 40,000. That's Wait, 10%. Do the rest of them not work or that's work with at, something else? They don't work. Or, what? Or another 
another way you can get paid in prison is to be a student. Like at KP, for example, the school where they had to get you certified up to grade 12 was like mandatory. Like yep. you had to uh, do that. Okay. And that was the largest employer. Yep. So two to 4,000 scans. Like that yep. Yep. makes a lot of 4,000 people making 60 million, million. in, is that net product. profit? Whoa. No, no, that's, no, that's product. That's, product. that's total gotcha. product value. Um, it's also interesting where you think this product is going, right? Like you, we were talking about it earlier. We were talking about like universities getting this stuff and uh, like public services and stuff like that. It's actually fascinating because ninety percent of the product made by prisoners actually goes back to prisons. Yeah, yeah, it won't be the same. Well, that was what they were talking about with the the far like the farm stuff in the documentary they were like this is really good because it's good for um like food security because like they're making all their own food and giving it back to other prisons and stuff like that let's let's get into that then paying the guards that abuse you with your labor that's fucking awesome yeah yeah raise this thing kill it it's just like uh you know it's chattel raised by human chattel and that's wonderful um but the the prison farms that shut down in kingston there Mm -hmm. was two of them right uh, like I said, 100 cows, 10,000 chickens. Those prison farms shut down, of course, and people wanted to bring them back, not only for rehabilitation purposes, but for food security purposes, right? Kind of save the prison's money and so on and so forth. It's funny because uh, they reinstated the prison farms in Kingston, but the food isn't going to Kingston. No. The food is actually getting sold to China. What? Yep. Because so even, this was the deal for them to bring back the prison farms was to like sorry. Make it so meat? it's actually not even the deal to bring back the prison prison farms. It no. was the deal to shut down the prison farms was that they would start buying food from China. Oh my lord! In order to lower tariffs. And what's also interesting is around the same time this happened, the city closed a multi-million dollar deal with a Chinese baby food manufacturing company as well. Okay, but then. Which I found to be quite interesting. Would it not be hmm. better to have the prison farms and then and then like make the food for other prisons rather than like buying and outsourcing to China? I don't know. Like, does yeah, that no, not sound the, I better? Think, I think they're both pretty fucked. That's fair. Like, I, I think I think you know, uh, using prisoners in order to save money uh, mm-hmm. by forcing them into like essentially coercing them into labor and extorting them into labor. Yeah. yeah. Um, in order to save money on expenses yeah. is fucked. Yeah. The quality of food in prisons as well is also atrocious. Yeah. I can speak specifically for Kingston Penitentiary. Every single meal consumed at Kingston Penitentiary was not made in the kitchen. It was flash frozen at Collins Bay Institution and then shipped and reheated. So they didn't even have... They like weren't, Wendy's. They, they <laughs> yeah, really yeah. was. Like they no, Wendy's is fresh and never frozen, That's why I said idiot. it. Okay. I actually, God damn it. <laughs> I actually spoke to an inmate and I asked him, like this, an ex-inmate, and I asked him, you know, what was the food quality like? And he said it was, he's like, okay, imagine the worst hospital meal you've ever had. Ew. And then oh. make that about 40 times worse. Those Jesus. stupid jello yeah, rice. Have it, have it three times a day, baby. Absolutely. And that's that's the thing. And another uh, interesting thing about prison labor is if you work in the kitchen, you actually don't get any days off. You have to work seven days a week. Yeah. Because oh you God. have Why to would you essential the population. You're essential labor. Why do you do it? Because they tell you that you're going to get time off. Yeah. They they tell you like, oh, you know, work in the kitchen. You know, it's it's an easy job. You don't have to you don't have to deal with this. You don't have to deal with that. You know, you'll get it'll it looks really good on your mm. your parole. That, yeah. You know, oh, he he worked in the kitchen. Like he's a hard worker. I mean, it's obviously prisons are inhumane and designed as such. I never really grasped how much until I started looking into it and talking to people who had spent time in Kingston Penitentiary. Yeah. When it was like, oh, fuck. Definitely. That's, uh, that's the thing. We were talking about f- food security, right? 
And if we want to talk about, so they shut down the prison farms because they stopped using the food mm-hmm. that the prison farms were producing. Mm. They started buying food, pro- like produced food from Chinese markets. Mm in order to save money on trades in the future, right? That was the contract that Stephen Harper signed off on. Yes. People got mad and wanted prison farms back. This is the quick timeline. And when the prison farms came back, what are they doing? Well, the proposed goal is to get 1,500 goats and nothing else. Okay. 1,500 goats to produce goat milk for baby formula. Yes! I knew this is where this is going. The baby formula is then sold to China. Yep. Weird. So and there's literally no product that can be given to the prisons. And that goddamn fucking factory in town there is was a goat milk-based baby formula factory from China. Yep. yep. So the prison is actually turned into this corporate venture where they're going to use uh, cheap labor in the name of rehabilitation in order to make money to make from Chinese like markets. It completely product. defeats the goddamn... Per- like, yeah. uh, like, when you think prison farm... Like, the whole selling point, besides, you know, rehabilitation, which we understand is bullshit, because A, it's just forced labor, (laughs) and when it comes to, like, a slaughterhouse, forced, like, psychologically horrifying labor. Oh, certainly. Um, And then, like, the other selling point of the prison farm is, like, well, you know, it's, like, local food. It's, like, right here in the city. We're, like, making food. Uh, It can support the prison, and, you know, they they can be, like, self-sustaining that way. That's great. But no, it's just like a goal list. Like, no, let's make as much money yep. as we can uh, from our indentured servants at the prison. Thanks, what NAFTA. the fuck, man? <laughs> oh, that yeah. sucks so bad. Oh, that yeah, certainly. That can't be certainly. NAFTA. China's so not this is, NAFTA. So this is a quote directly no, from... No, uh, that's like the globalization thing, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, uh, this is a quote directly from a former inmate and prison farm worker. They didn't want to use their name. <laughs> yeah, I understand why. The problem with goats... This is this is in relation directly what I'm talking about with see Jerry Seinfeld getting the <laughs> getting the 1500 goats. What's the problem now, with goats? Here's the thing about these goats. nannies. When I said I wanted to date a kid, <laughs> I'm at my high school GM. Yeah, that, that was fucking clever. God damn it. So this this inmate was quoted saying the problem with goats is they're too small, too nice, too obnoxious, too friendly. They aren't intimidating. Like it or not, having animals with prisoners will not work if the animals aren't intimidating physically. If you hurt a cow, she'll hurt you back. That's what it takes for inmates to learn to respect them. The goats are a bad idea. It's never going to work. They'll butt, maybe do something bad. Maybe someone's having a hard day. They'll get hit, butt fucked. It's the way it is. What? They will be abused. The goat will? Yeah. Yeah. They Uh, will be hurt. You need to be, you need the intimidation factor in order to keep those from getting abused. If anything happens to any of the 1,500 goats, who will notice? Who will spot a bruise on one? Or if one goes missing? It's going to be a nightmare. With numbers like 1,500 goats, you're going to find some go missing, maybe find carcasses in the barn. The prisoners want fresh meat, fresh food. If they see a chance, they'll slaughter a goat and eat it. Minimum prisoners have their own kitchens. They have knives and can cook their own food. They would be... There would be big demand for fresh meat. They, the guy could make money. It could create a kind of a black market. Who's going to notice if a goat went missing with numbers like that? Are they going to do a count twice a day of both prisoners and goats now? It happened all the time with the chickens on the old farms. They were butchered and eaten. Chickens went missing all the time. Sorry, who said this? This was a former prisoner and prison farm worker. Yeah, that, that, is, that scans. I mean, not only does that individual touch on 
the pervasive prison culture, like the culture among inmates in mm-hmm. which there still is. Like, obviously, prison movies are bullshit. It's all stupid liberal BS. But, like, there is a truth that there is a code in prison. And a lot of times, intimidation is the only way to kind of keep yourself oh, certainly. alive. I was, I was talk- that makes so much sense when you frame it in the context of raising animals as well. Yeah, I was talking to my partner about this, and we were... She said, she was like, wouldn't it be fully dependent on the social aspects of the prison, how these animals are treated? And I was like, yeah, and that's where... That's a great point. That's where a lot of the danger lies, even among the prisoners, they're worried. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I have... Here we go. Here's another quote. This will fully explain what I'm trying to say here. It wasn't... This is from another former inmate and prison farm worker. It wasn't easy to adjust to being around cows. I'd been on milking duty a couple of weeks when one of the cows stepped on my foot. I began to hit it with punches like a professional boxer. I don't know why I did it, but for some reason I needed to let off some steam. The next day, another cow crushed me against a railing, and I rolled a series of punches on the side of its head. After a few days of this, the cows would moo and prance around nervously when I came into the barn, making it harder to milk them. One day, a cow coughed when I was behind it. Green shit flew out of her ass and all over my face. I tore into that cow with my fists. My immediate job, however, was preparing cows for slaughter. It was my job to decide... Which seven cows would end up on death row on any given day? It was also my habit, while they waited to head down that ramp to their fate, to read the Bible aloud to them. What? What? Oh, boy. So, you know, this it's the exact same thing. Like, even prisoners are aware. They're like, I can't handle myself. You know, and, and I'm not trying like to, he got really rehabilitated there. I'm trying to I'm trying not to step on the, the toes of like fear mongering where it's like all the prisoners are going to abuse yeah. the animals. No, like some but of the, them, the like, prisoners are aware that they have anger management issues and they're like, but of course, I'm going to take this opportunity to take time off my sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if I can't handle myself around these animals, like I'm going to take that opportunity. I don't give a shit. Right? Most prisoners know why they're there. Oh, yeah. They it's, are completely it's, upfront. They're like, I fucked up. I've got something fucked up in me. Like, it's, I... You have I, years oh, of self-reflection ahead of you. No, exactly. Yeah. Okay, admittedly, though, the idea of someone punching a cow did make me think of Minecraft. And I was like, <laughs> in about yeah. 20 years' time, we are going to have kids in this system. And they're doing that not because they're angry, but just because that's how they farm meat. Yeah. yeah. But this, they're going to change the slaughterhouse to an entirely fist-based <laughs> implementation. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a... Like they're going to look like that cop in the parking lot. I've, I've got a couple more interesting points here. And then... Uh, you know, and then we'll talk about whether I've convinced some of these, <laughs> some of my co-hosts that this might not be the best idea, even though I feel like as soon as you think about it for more than like a couple of <laughs> minutes, you're like, this is pretty fucked up. Yeah, this that, like, a lot can go wrong here. Yeah, yeah. So this is from a PhD student at Queen's University in our lovely town. They say, it is widely accepted that husbandry is not an example of fair therapeutic human-animal relationship. Rather, it creates what sociologists refer to as the care-kill paradox, Mm. which arises in situations like farming and animal research in which humans are trained on the one hand to provide care to the animals while at the same time being trained to view them as products whom it is okay to harm, coerce, and kill. Mm. This leads to high rates of moral ambivalence, unease, cognitive dissonance, and psychological disorder amongst workers in animal use industries, a widely documented finding. This is why I thought it was cool when it was just milk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> Anecdotally, we have heard of many cases of appalling abuse of animals on the prison farms. 
This is predictable outcome when you create the circumstances of the care-kill paradox. It is manifestly wrong-headed to involve prisoners in this kind of fraught relationship, mm-hmm. especially when some of them may have issues around control and abusive behavior in their human relationships, which is one thing that kind of blew me away and that it didn't get addressed is the m- emotional vulnerability of prisoners, not only that led them to being a prisoner, but also while they're in the prison and kind of using this weird like freedom mechanic as if it's like, you know, a plus. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much anyone who has come out of prison farms is like, I liked working with my hands and I liked being outside. And it's like, yeah, basic human rights. Yeah. Like things that things that anyone can do at any point in time. But since you're a prisoner and you're stuck in a cell for 16 hours, yep. up to 23 hours, you don't have that right. So, of course, no matter what you do, you could literally be like, go bathe in this hot tar. Like they'd be like, sick, I'm not in the cell. You know what I mean? Like it had nothing to do with the specific profession, but rather it just had to do with the fact that you're doing something that wasn't being in a prison. Yeah. Mm. I would like right. to swing back. I love the quote about the, the moral ambivalence that's created because I like to put it into a context. You know how when you work a job, you eventually just become completely numb to it and you feel that moral ambivalence of just being in capitalism in general where it's like I'm getting paid so little to do all this shit. Like what the fuck is the point? Why does it matter? Imagine that if you're making like one tenth what we're making yeah, and you are surrounded constantly by like death and danger and you can't fucking spend it and you can't. And that's the thing. At least it's it's not even yours. We can be like, Oh, I can save my money and spend it on drugs and cool things where it's like the inmates are like, Oh, I have to go buy potato chips and I could be. And even then you have this concept of muscling where it's like, even you get muscled by the system and by other fucking inmates. Yeah. So then your money isn't even your own either. No, no. Like I just could not imagine the feeling of alienation. Alienation is, is integral to capitalism. Like, we know this. Mm. It is very well noted. Imagine that when you're in a fucking prison, when you're already alienated from society, and then you get even further alienated by this fucking exploitative system. No wonder why there's so much recidivism. You're not fucking... You're not creating people. You're not rehabilitating no. people you you're are turning beating them, them into the ground exactly you are turning them into numbers and you're surrounding them with violence and a lot of the people that are in these jails are there because they had something happen to them or they're just they're missing something that allows them to either empathize or understand consequences and yeah like this system is not going to help them yeah, you might teach them a skill, but that's not rehabilitating them. No. They are leaving with the no, same No, that's making them more valuable had. to you. Capital. So yeah. what's the point then? Oh, money, sorry. money, money, money. Exactly. I have a whole section on this. I'm just going to talk about the main points because it's it's pretty obvious that this is where we're heading, right? Okay. Where if there's if the rehabilitation obviously doesn't work and literally it's just destroying someone psychologically, anyone could be destroyed psychologically by this process of, you know, being extorted for your labor and stuff like that, of course, as we are all well aware of. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why is it okay, right? Well, let's just say there's a shit ton of money involved. (laughs) Like, I'm talking a ton of money. You know, we were talking about $60 million worth of product being made. That was all of uh, CanCorp. Can? Core, core, core can. Core can. That was all of core can. Canada. That was all of core can product. But rather, let's talk specifically about the farming aspect. Um, so farmers tend it, it doesn't get measured in product made only because it tends to get or it used to get fed back into the system. So they didn't really run those numbers. But rather, we can talk about the people who went to the town hall meeting 
to Mark Erickson and said, we need these prison farms. Yep. Who are these people? <laughs> Why did they do that? You know what I mean? I think it's, I know. It's really interesting that every single time that they mentioned rehabilitation, usually within the same sentence, they talk about their income that will be lost without prison farms. Yep. Like Almost, the people outside? Yes. Hmm. Like farmers in Kingston. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to say these people's names because this is public information. Yes. They went to a town hall meeting. They stated themselves. Let's go. Some of them I think I know. <laughs> Miss Diane Dowling. <laughs> we can cut this if you want, but like just no, so no, you no, guys no. know. Miss Miss Diane Dowling, president of the National Farmers Union, Local 316, presented herself as an individual. There are six prison farms across Canada. Two of them are in the Kingston area. The prison farms have also been major customers of the agribusiness in our area. The feed mills, the farm equipment dealers, other suppliers, and of course, tradespeople in the area. I'm told that Frontenac Institution spends about $900,000 a year on these farm services. So they're like, you know... There isn't even a pretense of... (laughs) No! I would like $900,000. Yeah, can can you please not take that $900,000 from us? Give me money. Milk was brought up earlier. We were talking about like milk being made from these farms, which they did. They did do that. This is from Mr. John Edmonds, National President of the Union of Solicitor General Employees. My dad knows this guy. (laughs) Nice, my dad was nice the union president for uh, the guards, so I'm aware <laughs> of this individual. Oh, God. If we look at something as simple as 250 milliliter container of milk, that's the classic like school milk, right? Yeah. That is produced for anywhere between 23 cents and 28 cents and sold to the government. Think about the last time you bought milk for 23 cents. <laughs> that's not a fucking thing. That's not to us. That's... John Edmonds is very old. <laughs> <laughs> but but that means that that... For that, two shiny silver pennies. <laughs> but everything on top of that is profit, right? Yeah. Uh, when it gets sold to us as, like, you know, consumers. What is that going to cost us when we go to the free market to buy these products? What's going to happen hate that word. when the farms are no longer there and we have a riot at one of our institutions? At this point what? in time, we can change... <laughs> this is Joe Biden. <laughs> at this point in time, we can change our orders and we can pick up what we need and get it shipped. My goddamn milk isn't as cheap as it used to be. Listen, Mac, when I was in jail, you could buy milk for 23 cents and a dollar. And here's the thing, though. If you had a riot... <laughs> It was bad. That's what it is, Rats though. are bad, man. They, they get rid of the milk. Come it's, on, it's man. It's like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, John, like, what are you talking John about? Edmonds like, that fucking, was barely, like... John Edmonds is, like, 9,000 years old. Like, he was old when my dad was working in jails, <laughs> and that was, like, 20 years ago. Yeah. Fucking retire. You don't, that sentence didn't even make sense, motherfucker. I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> it's on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So, this brings us to my final point. Right. Like, why Why? Why the hell am I talking about this? Uh, other than, the, of course, the exploitative nature of it, it seems like it's totally just like this weird propaganda scheme to make civilians feel as if this is a working thing. This is what the prisoners need. It's great for them. When in reality, it's actually this weird capital measure in order to just exploit these workers in order to make a profit. Right. Mm. Like, that's what it comes down to. Even from the people who are involved in trying to explain to people, like this whole Save the Prison Farm movement was run by these people that I'm mentioning for the most part, or their involvement was integral. They all have invested stakes, right? And 
they were able to convince people that this is what mattered. But the people lapped up the part where they talked about rehabilitation, which I keep coming back to because it's it's mind blowing how much. That's how they sell the system. That's how they sell it. That's the only. They're like, it's good for they you. Have absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this is what you want, right? Yeah. You want you want to work. Rehab rehabilitation scare quotes is integral to the prison exploitation system. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, it's the only justification they provide for it. So Corcan actually was built be- or, or was founded because there was a lot of backlash yes. to the previous prison exploitation of, uh, or sorry, the exploitation of prison, prison labor. labor. Uh, people were like, this is, you shouldn't use slave labor as punishment. So Corcan came out of nowhere and their motto is uh, rehabilitation through labor like that's their motto work right? makes free yeah uh, actually another important thing to note about the founding of corcan the final straw that broke the camel's back was that local tradesmen were complaining about their capital interests being threatened by prison labor on outside uh farms and areas yeah. so the tradesmen said oh well these guys are are doing it for like six cents a day like we can't compete with that so like it was literally capital interests from the community in addition to those like humanitarian concerns, almost more so that finally necessitated Corcan being formed mm-hmm. because they were like, oh, we can't compete with this. This isn't fair. Mm-hmm. Like Once again, it's all – even in the times where it's like, oh, you can't use slave labor as punishment. It's like, oh, no, that's because we, we're losing our actual yeah. wage earning <laughs> yeah. power. In the yeah, yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. What's it's horrible. The, so what's the stats on rehabilitation, right? Like let's, let's talk about that. That's what everyone wants to talk about. Anytime I looked into this shit – I was just bombarded with rehabilitation. You know what it was like? It was similar to like when you go on a porn website and you get all those porn ads. Oh, yeah. And it was like that. I was going on all these like Save the Prison Farm websites and it was just like rehabilitation <laughs> ads everywhere where it was just like rehabilitation and everyone was talking about it and it was it was it hurt my brain. So I wanted to look into I, it. I dare you to look at this for 30 <laughs> seconds without getting rehabilitated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hot MILFs in your area. Rehabilitation instruction video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it, was, it was difficult. So I wanted to look into it because I hear these things and my brain immediately goes, okay, what are the hard facts? Like, what are the studies? What's been done? Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> Let's say one thing, which is that nobody's done studies except for Kenya, in one farm with 50 people. Cool. <laughs> Go Kenya. Kenya's chilling. Wow, interesting. Cool. It was interesting, that. too, because it was fun- funded by the Kenyan government, and th- all their data shows that it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. But their conclusion says that it's not determinable. And Which is fair. They don't right? know like, if it yeah, works or not. Sure, sure. N sure. equals 50. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> one, it's one sampling size. Yeah. I get that, but still. So... 8% of the workers on this farm saw their job as relevant to their rehabilitation. Sure. 8%. Okay. That means 92% saw it as completely unrelevant. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. They were, like, they were like, this has nothing to do with me doing better. Some of the other numbers were, were just wild. But I, I, I wanted to get in on that point. Like, I have a lot of information here. But I wanted to talk about that point of the relevancy on the side of the prisoners. Because even the prisoners are aware, like, this isn't, this doesn't do anything. Mm. But that 8% is who they're picking and choosing for these movements, right? Mm. Like, they're, like, they're the ones coming out and being like, this is great. You know, we love this shit. Whereas, like, the other uh, 92% are still in the prisons. (laughs) 8% of 50 is what, like, four guys? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, it was four people. Jesus. Yep. Not good. Four versus 46 uh, people. 
And uh, it's funny because they they noted that the recidivism the recidivism rates were exactly the same. Yeah, among the population that was working in the farms and the general population of the prison, there was zero, literally zero evidence for rehabilitative properties. Right. There was nothing. So where are we where where does this leave us? Really is where I want to get to. Where 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 are we? Where are we sitting at here? How do you guys feel about all this stuff that I've just laid on us? Um, Because I I was getting real upset last night. I feel like after hearing a lot of your points, you have changed my mind a lot. And where I stand is kind of like, I don't think that it's necessarily bad to have like agricultural work as one of the job options in prison. For sure. But I feel like slaughtering, bad. Don't do that. Uh, So it should be like... (laughs) It should be voluntary if that's the kind of work that you want to do, and it should right. be like animal care or like crops, and then all jobs should be paid a bajillion times more yeah. than they are right now. It, at the very least, kind up, of where I'm at. update the scale to a relevant... Yeah, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, it's There's nothing. been like 3,000 times inflation since that scale was yeah. established. Yep. Also, okay, here's what I'm thinking. We get rid of the prison farms. This is like the liberal... Oh, also uh, abolish prison. <laughs> this is the liberal... Yeah, we get, we get, we get going to own you with that. We're going to have the liberal prison utopia, which is uh, where <laughs> inmates are locked up 22 hours a day. Two, they have two hours of outside time, which is now the current standard. The rest of the time, you're farming, but everybody has an Animal Crossing copy on a switch. Ooh. That, and here's the thing. Hey, all of their prison wages go towards buying that switch, so they have to work to pay off the switch. That's and it's, fair. And it's I really feel like that's fair. fair. That's it's like funny in that... Animal Crossing, you have to work to pay off your house. Exactly. I was, yeah. Yeah. Say, it's funny that you uh, say that this is prison because this is just the basement apartment I live in. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why they call it cell phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Those are my favorite memes. <laughs> genuinely. And Manila you, clam. And you know what? This has actually inspired me because now my topic for next week before we get to the end of this show is we're going to talk about Kingston Penitentiary. Ooh, totally. Come on I have down. a lot to say about Oh, there was, there was much more. There was much more that I was going to get into but then i was re-looking at it and i was like i don't know i'm really bad at reading off notes <laughs> i'm really okay. sorry if any of this no. seems super no, scattered no, no. to our King. listeners out there hit me hit me hit us up with some responses through our email yeah because i would uh i would love to read what some people have to say if i got anything wrong just know that i'm a human being <laughs> but also i'm an alien so like don't actually treat me like a human being just send us a response and be like hey you i think you got these things wrong but if you're also just going to come at me and attack me for what I said and like my conclusions and stuff like that, you might want to just keep it. Yeah. Because I I would honestly like, I'm always open to discussion and learning new things, but I'm also not open to someone just saying that I'm wrong without giving me bad faith critique. Yeah. yeah, Email us your bad faith critique. I want to hear it. Dean will take it. I'll I'll read it it on the air and call Uh, you a dumb No, no, we're not going to give them the satisfaction. We'll just read it and then laugh about you in the group chat. And then that's all you'll ever know. Megan, you want to hit our listeners with the email? Yes. Well, just as a prelude, as I've said in the group chat, so far we've received two emails to the account. One was Jesse sending a picture of Sonic you thank you father i will uh, uh and the other one was spam saying we won the lottery so i feel bad that wasn't that was actually real yeah. we did win the lottery. <laughs> no, 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 don't yeah. delete our last that. episode don't delete that yeah, yeah. Uh, i'll see it, you fucks later more like it, shirley jackson's the lottery i'm buying a I... private island to do <laughs> horrible crimes on okay but the email is llcscfrc at gmail.com so that would stand for the late late capitalism so send us your nudes if you feel like it 
Yes. No, don't. Like, I'm, We're not soliciting I'm you. I'm definitely going to be the one checking. So if you want, like, me. The only people who listen first. to the show are our friends. If you want to send nudes, send them to Jesse True Artist on Instagram. <laughs> and I'll, I'll edit them so that I draw clothes on using the Snapchat. Uh, paint tool. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this, and uh, hopefully Dean's on board. If you send us one thousand dollars through PayPal <laughs> transaction, we will set up an OnlyFans of just Dean. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll a do total only Dean only OnlyFans. He's a cheap bitch. Uh, we five, know he's a cheap five thousand. Jesse and Dean join. Only yes, yeah, we're, gonna, yeah. we're gonna do like the yachting. We're gonna recreate the Yoko Ono John Lennon picture. <laughs> yeah. Which one of you is gonna be curled up? up? Oh, I'm curled up on Dean. No, Dean has the John Lennon build, and I have the Yoko true. Ono sensibility. It'll just be them. <laughs> it'll be hours and hours of footage of them docking. <laughs> Good stuff. I remember <laughs> docking is fun. Uh, okay, you have to do the credit card where you sort of like. Yeah. What yeah, are you yeah. guys talking about? I have genuinely no idea. Slamming our dicks into each other. Oh, so. yeah. cool, great. Docking, the wrecking baby. ball where you like you do like one of these. I, I like that. I, I'm creating a new. I'm creating a new guy, which is my ADIQ gay character, where I think <laughs> where I think sex is just slamming our dicks together. <laughs> it's like leg wrestling. You have to try and pin it down. I love this. This is that's a good that's a good character. He needs to be reoccurring. Okay. Let's, we're not sure how much of this is usable, but uh, all of that. Let's is going. let's let's hit. Our, uh, let's hit the final things here. So, uh, hmm. uh, cops bad. Yes. <clears throat> Prisons bad. Yes. Farming bad. Honestly, uh, farming <laughs> overall good. Okay. So another thing that I thought was interesting too, which my partner brought up, she was just like, "What if they just were like rescue farms? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what if they just like took in like puppies and shit that need home? Like, like a rescue, like a re- like an animal rescue." But if you go rescue. with the theme of like you need an animal that's gonna kick you in the face, I feel like a puppy is pitbull farm. <laughs> no, but also it's like it's well, like let's just start fighting dogs. Farm. It definitely would get rid of the, the slaughter ex- uh, yeah, factor definitely. and the exploitation factor. You don't want because dogs. you're not just using them as products. Like you're actually yeah. going to be like taking care of these animals. Counterpoint: Prison guards are. Guys that wanted to be cops but couldn't. Do you really want to put dogs near <laughs> pseudo cops? How dare you slander all three of your fathers? Like? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're allowed to say. It. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only privilege I have. <laughs> yeah, my dad's a blue bastard, but he's retired, so it's chill. Hey, yeah. My dad's also retired. <laughs> <laughs> Dean's dad is a baby, and uh, I could take him in a fight. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> snap his neck. He's, he's the guy from the shadow boxing like video. A little dog. Yeah, I like I've been messaging a lot of girls on Instagram <laughs> being like, "Hey, my my dad was a correctional officer. I really shouldn't be alone right <laughs> now." Uh, <laughs> that's why we started dating actually. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Hey fellas, if you're out there, never give up. <laughs> she is reading those DMs, King. But let's 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 top this off. We are anti-police. Yes. I'm willing yeah. to speak on people's behalf here. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Um, I concur. And and we're sorry if you don't agree, but literally, like, we, we have You're to, listening to the goddamn wrong yeah. shit. <laughs> there's, there's too much evidence on, on the side of being hypercritical. Yeah. Like, I don't want things to just shut down because so many people would get hurt, and I don't think that's the right move, move but I think, uh, like working towards a society where we don't need what we currently have in place that just like punishes people unnecessarily. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Jesse said it right when we were talking about the Minnesota cops. There's no amount of rehabilitation or restructuring 
that could fix our legal system no as it stands it just needs like to abolish the prison system as it exists abolish cops yeah as they exist we genuinely have moved past the need for yeah. cops yeah what the fuck do they do well, other the, than just beat the shit out of people if someone breaks into your house they, they show really up 36 stop violent hours. crime at all no. like, i don't know what they do <laughs> they, they uh they enforce they no they're just legal violent no yeah. it's, it's there to enforce status quo right like yes. there's there's been tons of research saying that there's absolutely no crime prevention when it comes to police uh, presence. Like, none. No. The the police being there doesn't stop a crime. No. Someone's going to commit a crime, they're going to commit a crime. It has nothing to do with police presence. It has nothing to do with punishment. Usually the people that are committing crimes are doing it, like, from a... I don't know, from a point of desperation to the yes. fact that, like, they don't give a shit. Or if, if it's a cool shit. crime. Some Wait, crimes are just cool shit. Yeah, like, you're, you're, you're drinking, like, a 40 in public. And yeah, you, and, like, spray-painting dick and balls. You took That's too awesome. much PCP, and you decided to, like, you know, <laughs> smack up. Anyways. To be brutally honest, at the point you reach when you're committed to committing that crime, there is nothing that can be done in that moment to stop you. The only way to prevent crime is to have a society that is built towards addressing the needs that these individuals are trying to fulfill by committing this crime. You're not going to stop somebody by, from stealing bread by, you know, trying to grab their arm as they're doing it. You know how you stop them from stealing bread? You provide them with fucking bread. Yeah. You know and how that's you stop why. people from committing violent crimes? You have someone to address the issues that are plaguing them. You have social workers. Let's take all the money we spend on cops giving them fucking like super soakers that shoot acid and instead invest it in hiring social workers to help the young people that are at risk and are committing these crimes. It's the same thing as suicide. You are not going to stop someone from committing suicide in the moment. Almost never happens. The way you do it is by early uh, intervention and addressing those concerns. If you are committed to doing that, you are almost always going to do it. There is nothing that can be done in terms of crime prevention by some fucking hot dog neck psychopath with the hammer of dawn. You know how you prevent crimes? You create a society that's more fucking just. Fucking thumb lord. A hot dog neck would be a really skinny neck, <laughs> wouldn't lord. it? No, it's like you a don't pack of people hot dogs. Thumb lord. Oh, gross. Okay, uh, yeah, Chance, you want to hit us with a land acknowledgement? Uh, hell yeah. Speaking of crime, uh, I would like to thank Kingston for the wonderful opportunity as being like, you know, brown and Indian man and being let live in this area. That I think that's lovely and wonderful. Thank you so much for You're letting welcome. me do that. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on occupied territory of the Anishinaabek and the Haudenosaunee people. You know, that's that's something we can unpack another time. <laughs> yeah. Let's we'll get, just we'll get to that. One. We'll we'll leave it at that. This is something that we we want to acknowledge, and uh, I'm not going to say thank you, and, and I'll, I'm going to leave it at that.